the New Testament is something that we can hold in our hands and know that what was written at the time is what we're holding in our hands. The question is, well, what is the content of what's written and how can we be confident of that? Well, there's a number of things we can look at within the content of what's inside these Gospels that can really help us to know whether or not they actually know what they're talking about or if they're just making stuff up. Welcome, everyone. We have a great person chatting to us today. Lara is a, a friend of mine from Oxford. She works for a ministry called the Ravi Zacharias Ministries. It's an apologetic ministry that their ethos is helping the believer think and the thinker believe. So she tackles the tough questions of our time, answering it with gentleness, love and respect for, for the questioner. And one of her topics that she's interested in and that we are really interested in is the historical accuracy of the New Testament, which we are so excited to chat to you about today. Up to this point, it's so great what you're saying. I just feel so confident that at least what we're holding in the Bible is historically accurate, that these people existed. There was once a man called Jesus that actually existed, but now what they wrote about is there a way, help us Laura to find, is there a way to know that that content is in fact true or is it, are they just really good writers and wrote some, some, some good fiction? Earlier, obviously we were talking about the fact that the New Testament is something that we can, we can hold in our hands and know that what was written at the time is what we're holding in our hands now. But as you're saying, the question is, well, what, what is the content of what's written and how can we be confident of that? Well, we briefly touched on it towards the end of the last episode, but the New Testament writers, and um, there's a number of things we can look at within the content of what's inside these gospels that can really help us to know whether or not they actually know what they're talking about or if they're just making stuff up. Just to start off with their geography, for example, they mention a number of places Places that for many years, actually, I would say even in the last few centuries, there's been a lot of criticism of the New Testament because they said, well, you know, we don't have any evidence that these places exist. So an example of that would be Nazareth and some others. But actually, as archaeology in the last century or so has really increased, the archaeological digs that have happened have only served to corroborate and or to back up the kind of historical reliability of the text. For example, all the places that then pretty much every place that is mentioned in the gospel has now been found through archaeological digs. If they were making up and they didn't really know what they were talking about, but actually the gospels in the first four gospels that we have in the Bible, they mentioned tiny places like Bethany and Bethpage, which wouldn't, wouldn't have been on a Roman map. You would have only known about those places if you actually lived there or you talked to someone who lived there. Other details as well that they include, which is so interesting, is just accurate time between walking between places so you know the bible it, you know they'll talk about a certain time that it took to, to walk from bethany up to jerusalem and we now know that that's a two mile kind of walking time i can't remember whether it was in kilometers sorry <laughs> been in england too long and then the walk from you know galilee to capernaum to up to jerusalem the, the, they get all that sort of thing right they get even when they talk about they're going uphill you know they always get these little tiny details right they talk about different types of trees being planted outside of towns and these are just incidental details that the gospels include but they seem to just constantly be adding credence and, and reliability to the text because what we now know because of studies in botany we know that those trees would have been planted outside of the I think it's the sycamore trees outside because of how much gum they would they would get gummy everywhere so things like that but th these are just details also just thinking about like political leaders. Again, the, the New Testament time and time again, especially as more inscriptions are found on different tombs or, you know, as they, more archaeology happens, the, the names of leaders, 
that they mention is, is, is corroborated again by other texts from ancient history. All that goes to show that biblical writers were, were actually quite accurate historians, that they knew what they were talking about, and they must have been living there at the time to know all these details. They talk about certain burial customs and even like quite minute religious differences between different religious factions. Like they talk about the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And we now know that the Sadducees differed from the Pharisees on a number of points, but one of them was that the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead on the last day. And they also, they didn't believe in the whole of the Old Testament as the Pharisees did. They only believed in the, the, the first five books of the Pentateuch. And it's just interesting in certain examples when, for example, the, the Pharisees come to Jesus and they ask him about the resurrection of the dead, just little incidental things. Jesus only gives them evidence from the first five books of the Pentateuch to explain why the Old Testament does support the idea of a bodily resurrection, whereas he could have turned to much more obvious texts like Ezekiel 37 or Daniel 12. But we now know that they wouldn't have seen those as authoritative. So it's just things like that, that basically that's as scholars have studied, give us confidence that the the New Testament writers also really knew their stuff. And if they're just making things up, we'd expect them to be making a lot more mistakes. But instead, what we find is that they're constantly proving to us that they actually knew what they were talking about. They must have been there. And they did a lot of research as well to make sure that they... And they tell us that Luke, in the beginning of Luke's gospel, he says, I went to a lot of effort to... In, he says he um, interviewed people and to write a faithful account. From, he interviewed eyewitnesses. He probably actually interviewed Mary, we think, because he spent two years in Israel with Paul and most likely went up to Nazareth, and which is why he talks about the birth of Jesus, the account from Mary's perspective. John also in chapter 20 says how he has carefully written out these things in order to, because he wants people to know that these things actually happened. So again, just in terms of the internal evidence, there's a lot of stuff to really give us confidence that they they knew what they were talking about. It's really helpful what you're saying. I want to ask you a question, which I think comes up quite often. I've heard this asked from friends myself, and I know some of our guys and girls who are listening would get this question. But I've looked into your Bible, whatever that means, you know, I've looked into your Bible. I'm a non-Christian. I've looked into your Bible. Is it, I've read something on Google or whatever, and there's contradictions. Explain yourself. So I'm basically throwing the same question at you. Explain yourself, lady. Tell us about your contradictions. I think that is a very good question. I remember when I was first started reading the Bible as a, as a child and I would start to notice them and I was like, huh, has anyone seen these? <laughs> I mean, one obvious example is the difference in the resurrection account, you know, in the way Luke describes the resurrection and the way John describes it. But there are others as well. And there's some questions that come up, you know, for example, even about the, you know, Quirinius being the governor of Syria and there being a kind of census that was done. You know, this is in terms of talking about the, the birth accounts of Jesus. So th- there are these, these discrepancies within within the Gospels. Just to keep it super short, I'll just say, I'll say two things about them. The first thing is that in a lot of these places, actually, the, the main reason that you can see the discrepancy is not, it's not actually because they strictly contradict each other. It's just that we would have expected them the writers to all have put the same information in. So for example, in John's account of the resurrection, he talks about there being just Mary Magdalene at the tomb when Jesus appears to her. And then in Luke's account, we also have Joanna and and the other Mary. And so, you know, there's this difference between was there just one person or was there a group of people? Actually, when you when you really compare those two texts, what you realize is that John actually is just focusing on Mary. Funny enough, she then later on in verse 20 actually uses a, a plural. And then she says, she says, we know so that she's actually seeming to imply that there were other people who were there as well. But initially it seems like, oh, you know, did he just forget to mention them? But 
they're not strictly contradicting each other. So they're, they're just, it just seems that maybe he's just focusing on, on Mary in particular. And actually that's not a surprising thing because John in his gospel in general, in comparison to the other ones, seems to be very focused rather on telling like a whole historical narrative on choosing very specific things that he wants to communicate about what happened. So they're not things that didn't happen, but he's just leaving certain things out. So that's one way of actually looking at how quite a lot of the discrepancies and the contradictions can be, you can see how they can actually end up still making sense together. But then there are times when there are a few things where it just, it seems they seem to contradict on some of the more minor facts. And I think, again, this is what I actually find encouraging because the Bible, the way Christians understand the Bible is, is that it is conveying a true message about Jesus through human people. And that what, what, um, how we read the Bible is that, and that they are telling us, these eyewitnesses are telling us something that they saw, that they heard. And, and there are these minor discrepancies, but in a way, that's what we would expect of eyewitness accounts. In fact, in a court of law, that actually might le- lend it more credibility. If the witnesses all say exactly the same thing word for word, it seems like maybe they've all conspired together and that there's maybe there's some sort of like foul play. But actually when witnesses come, but they're overall they're saying, look, this happened, this happened, this was said, I heard this. If the slight wording is slightly different, but the main message is, is really coming through clearly the same, we actually trust will trust that kind of eyewitness testimony. So maybe I'll just end with that saying that actually to me it's kind of encouraging. And it also goes to show, I mean, these gospel writers, they didn't go around adapting each other's work because they easily could have and thought, oh, that doesn't seem to fit. But they left them. And that, again, also adds a sense of credibility to the text. I guess part of the not adapting each other's work is because of the kind of audience each of the gospel writers wrote to. You know, like if, if you understand people's audience. So some of these contradictions are more about drawing us in for further study, understanding context, because then it's actually helpful. And also understanding the lens that if I ask you a question and I ask someone else the same question who have exactly the same belief, you chances are you answering it in exactly the same way will be quite different because of the way God has uniquely made us. So I think there is, there's got to be a little bit of, you know, us being lenient towards that, but not losing perspective altogether, which is quite difficult. And I think I just want to encourage again our listeners, if if this is not your thing, you're not daily, you know, going after these things, it's probably worth listening to what Laura encouraged us at the start, which was her stirring, which was I've got to find out some of this stuff for myself and I've got to do it now. I don't want to wait until later when I, you know, to discover that this is true or not true. Because if it's true, it's going to make me live in a specific way. And if it's not true, it's going to make me live in a different way. So I think for us, even on questions like this that you know you're asking, grappling with, or your friends are asking or grappling with, it's worth doing the extra little bit of study. And lots of people have already done lots of the hard work for us. So we can go in and just listen to really good stuff that's what's very helpful for me is understanding the small details we don't which don't matter and the key details which really do but having said that i haven't studied the scholars but i have read dan brown that's my uh, i've read the da vinci code and i saw tom hanks in the movie that is kind of my intro into ancient text he makes some crazy claims that there are other documents that the church, for whatever reason, chose to neglect 
from putting in, in into the Bible. How do we know that what we're holding, so you say it's accurate, but how do we know that there's actually not a whole lot of other books that are also as accurate and fall within the same time frame? Yeah, I think that's, again, that's a really good question. And, you know, again, I would say in popular culture, that's just a, a thought that is out there and probably popularized by Dan Brown in the Da Vinci Code. And it's true that there are these other gospels that have been written and they do have slightly different takes. They, they, they have a different, definitely, um, they say some different things about, about Jesus. But again, if you talk to the scholars, and I'm not talking about Christian scholars, I'm just talking about scholars of ancient history, there's a reason why those documents are seen to be less reliable as history. So the first reason that I would say that is because most of them, because they've been able to do textual criticism and, and, and do certain tests, they, they know that these later gospels were all written within the second century. So you know, the, the four gospels that we have in the Bible have been proven to be written at least within the first century. These later gospels have all been written much later. Just a couple of examples, if this is helpful. So for in our gospels, they all mention between, you know, each gospel mentions between 12 and 14 different geographical places that have now all been corroborated through archaeology. And, you know, we've, we've been able to find them. So 23 different places in general. If you look at the gospels that are not inside the Bible, like the gospel of Philip only mentions two places, Jerusalem and Nazareth, or, you know, the gospel of Peter only mentions Jerusalem and the other gospels don't mention anything at, at all, not even Jerusalem. And so these are much more sort of spiritual type books. They're written much later. And whereas we can look at the gospels and become quite confident that these gospel writers were either themselves living in Judea and Galilee because of how much literal accuracy they have in terms of geography, topography, culture, burial practices, all these different things that they, that they get right. Now we can look back now with all the archaeology and history that we have and we can see that what they're writing is accurate whereas we look at these other what they called non-canonical gospels they hardly mention any place names exactly the sort of thing you would imagine if someone hadn't actually been somewhere and they just had heard of the big places like jerusalem i mean i think philip even thinks he mentions nazareth that he thinks it's jesus middle name so these sorts of things show that at least you know they just don't have that same level of confidence that these are actually historical because they don't when you compare them with the gospels who had so much evidence they knew so much about what was going on politically and all those things and the fact that they were written so much earlier that gives us confidence that these people were actually there i mean these later ones it seems were kind of Obviously, these other four Gospels were in circulation, and you can imagine that some people might have thought, well, this is interesting, I want to write, I want to write something, and that seems to be what was happening there. In addition to that, I mean, sometimes like Dan Brown makes a bit that like there was this big conspiracy in the 4th century with the Council of Nicaea called by Emperor Constantine. Again, history seems to bear out that actually we can tell because of all the evidence that we have that the early church, that the what we have in the New Testament was already being accepted. It's in all the writings of the then the first century, the later church fathers like Papias and Polycarp and Clement of Rome and others. They all mention the this particular body of work. There's some questions over, for example, the book of Hebrews, but, but these ones are accepted. And the typical reason they were accepted was because they were written by people who were eyewitnesses or speaking to eyewitnesses. And so that's why the church accepted these as the like body of, of literature that they could trust. Whereas it, we can only assume that those other gospels weren't accepted as, as that because they weren't actually connected to any eyewitnesses and they were just sort of writing out of what they'd heard via other people. 
Thanks for listening to this conversation with Laura. We hope you enjoyed it. Please join us again later on this week for the next episode of The Bible. Is it historically accurate or is it fiction? We'd really appreciate it if you share this with friends who are asking questions. If anyone wants to know a little bit more about the Bible, like and subscribe if you don't mind. Thanks. Bye. I love you. Bye.